open to 1 Corinthians in chapter 7. We're going to continue uh, in this wonderful chapter on mainly on marriage, but today is going to be slightly different. We're looking at verse 17 onwards. And the title of my message this morning is God Works from the Inside Out. God Works from the Inside Out. In fact, I just want to read you a verse out of 2 Corinthians in chapter 4. Verse 16 says this. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. So there's, a, there's an inner, the inward work that God is constantly doing in our lives. But it's from the inside outwards. When I was in my second year of uh, university, uh, doing a commerce degree, I got radically saved. And things began to change rapidly in my life. I began witnessing to everyone around me, even the lecturers. And I used to pick up the phone, dial a random number, and just witness to the person who answered. And I did that fairly regularly. And people were saying, how did you get my number? And I was just like, I just phoned a number and I just trusted that God was going to lead me to you. Anyway, some people... Uh, were blessed and some people weren't happy, but that was how I was. And I started attending church twice on a Sunday, and I got involved in every single thing that the church was doing. In fact, I think I was busy maybe six nights a week. Every single week, I had stuff on in the church, and I loved it. And I started reading ministry books, and I'd never been a book reader before. In fact, I'd hardly finished a book. In school, I'll give you a little tip. All you do is you open the book and you read the front cover. You read the summary of the story, and then you kind of imagine what the rest of it sounds like, and you've got your book oral sorted. That's what I used to do. And uh, so I became a book reader after, after getting saved. And uh, so all these radical changes started happening in my life, um, which were quite dramatic. But along with these changes for the good, I made some big mistakes as a young Christian. And one of the mistakes that I made uh, was that I felt that in order to serve God, I needed to drop all secular activities and only do spiritual activities. Because of this incorrect thinking, I pulled out of my degree. I didn't finish it, thinking that this would free me to focus solely on serving God and the work that he wanted me to do. But something inside of me got put on hold, and I've only seen that later in my life. God never called me to stop studying at that point. And my disobedience, I'm calling it disobedience to God, I never sought God on it. But my disobedience to God caused a problem in my character. It set something in stone. And this is one of the things about our character is that uh, it's like concrete that's setting. And while it's, while it's uh, soft and pliable, God can mold it. But sometimes we make decisions that make that concrete set in a particular way. And the only way you can deal with it is to smash it up and start again kind of thing. And so this happened in my life, and in that particular area of my life, I just stopped growing. I just basically uh, was going round and round the mountain, and I found it incredibly difficult to finish anything I started. 
Most times I would start something with great enthusiasm, and then as soon as it became difficult, I'd dump it and start something else. And then uh, when that became difficult, I'd stop that and start something else because my character couldn't actually overcome. I was immature in that area of my life. And then years later, a prophet came and ministered in our church. And like what Paul Zanardo did in the evening meeting where he pointed people out, made them stand up, and he gave them words of knowledge or prophetic words, this guy came in and he pointed me out and he said, stand up. And this is what he said. I see books in front of you. You haven't finished studying. And I nearly fell over backwards. <laughs> he said, and I remember these words very, very clearly to this day. He said, part of your spiritual training is to complete your secular studies. Now, this guy didn't know me from a bar of soap. How did he know I hadn't completed my secular studies but he said it's part of your spiritual training to do that I don't believe that God is really fussed about me having a commerce degree or not but what he is concerned about is the development of my character and he's concerned about that in all of our lives that is highly important to God I made the mistake of thinking that I could change my character by changing my external circumstances. So I thought if I change things externally, it's going to have an impact on my life internally. But that's not how God works. He works from the inside out. And I know I'm not alone in this because the Corinthians did exactly the same thing. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 17 onwards. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17 to 24. And we're going to see these guys thought like I did. Or well, I thought like they did. Maybe I should put it that way. Each of you should continue to live in whatever situation the Lord has placed you and remain as you were when God first called you. This is my rule for all the churches. For instance... A man who is circumcised before he became a believer should not try and reverse it. And a man who is uncircumcised when he became a believer should not be circumcised now, for it makes no difference whether or not a man has been circumcised. The important thing is to keep God's commandments. Yes, each of you should remain as you were when God called you. Are you a slave? Don't let that worry you. But if you get a chance to be free... Take it. And remember, if you were a slave when the Lord called you, you are now free in the Lord. If you were free when the Lord called you, you are now a slave of Christ. God paid a high price for you, so don't be enslaved by the world. Each of you, dear brothers and sisters, should remain as you were when God first called you. God works from the inside out. And the principle that God is wanting us to learn from this passage of Scripture is that when you become a Christian, you should continue to live in the situation the Lord has placed you in. Don't try and change your external circumstances because they're not going to make a difference in your character. Of course, I have to say there are some circumstances that should change. Depending on what your career is, if you work, say, for instance, in the sex industry, then I would highly recommend changing your career, okay? 
So there are certain circumstances, but as a general principle, don't think that changing your external circumstances is going to cause spiritual growth in your life. These Corinthians were thinking along these lines. Now that I've become a Christian, maybe I should get married. Or maybe I should divorce the lady that I'm with because I'm now a believer, she's now an unbeliever. Maybe I should get circumcised because maybe that's going to help me spiritually. Or maybe I should try and reverse my circumcision because I, I was a Jew and now I'm a believer. Okay. Or maybe I was a slave. This is what they're thinking. And I'm supposed to be free in Christ, so maybe I shouldn't be a slave anymore. So I've got this ambition now that's an ungodly ambition to be free from the job that I'm in. And God, through Paul, is saying, you should just remain as you are, serve the Lord, and let him lead you, and let him guide you. If he does guide you along the path where you get an opportunity to be free, take it. But don't let that become your focus and your all-consuming goal in life. So in this message, Paul gives two practical examples of what he means. He gives the principle, and then he gives two examples. And, and the first one is about nationality. So he's saying, as a believer, your nationality doesn't need to change. Okay? And then the second one is about social status. As a believer, your social status doesn't need to change. So first of all, your nationality doesn't have to change. In verse 18, Paul says, A man who is circumcised before he became a believer should not try and reverse it. And the man who is uncircumcised when he became a believer should not be circumcised now. See, Jewish people in the Old Testament were known as the people of God. Okay? So these Christians are thinking, well, maybe I can get closer to God. Maybe I can improve my relationship with God by getting circumcised and be like one of the people of God that came through the Old Testament. Maybe there's something that happens. If I change something externally, I'm going to get closer to God. That's what these Corinthian Christians were thinking. Maybe we should abandon our nationality and become Jewish. And in fact, you might think this is crazy, but I've met Christians who do want to become Jewish. Recently, in the last, well, I've only been saved 26 years or something, but in that last period, I've met many Christians who've gone down this line of wanting to become Jewish to get closer to God. So they start observing the Sabbath. They start wearing those things on their head. They start uh, celebrating all the Jewish festivals, Passover, all these things. Why? Because they believe it gives them a stronger connection to God. And I want to tell you, it's a deception. What we have is all you need. The Holy Spirit in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. We have a connection with God. We have access to the throne room. Nothing we do externally is going to make that any better. You can come with all your festivals and things like that, but God's not going to say, whoa, okay, you guys just step aside. Look at this person coming to me in this unique way, this special way. God has always wanted his people 
to come from many nations. There's a wonderful picture in heaven of the uncountable multitudes worshipping before the throne of God. And it's these people that are saved during the great tribulation. And John sees this crowd, and look how he describes them. Revelation 7 verse 9. He says, After this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes, and they held palm branches in their hands. So here's the question. How did John know they were from every nation? <laughs> the angel didn't tell him. God didn't tell him. It says he saw the crowd, and he saw they were from every nation. If you saw a crowd of people who all had white skin, blonde hair, and blue eyes, would your description of that crowd be, I saw a crowd from every nation? No. You'd say, I saw a crowd of Swedish people. <laughs> what did John see? He saw white skin. He saw dark skin. He saw blonde hair, brown hair, black hair, brown eyes, blue eyes, green eyes. He saw short people and tall people. He saw people with round faces and other people with long faces. Saw people with pointy noses and people with rounded noses. People with big ears and small ears. He saw people, the people of God from every nation. We've, we've taught on this before. The resurrection of the body, he is resurrecting your body. When you get your resurrected body, it's your body that's going to be resurrected. It's not like I'm going to, he's going to leave your body in the grave and give you another one. He's going to take your body and resurrect it. So there's elements of who you look like now that are going to be in heaven. You're going to recognize people. We're not all going to look the same. There's people that think that. <laughs> we're going to look like we're from every nation. He saw Australians, Japanese, Indians, Russians, Cambodians, and even Jewish people. Eh? Amen? <laughs> I re I've just got to say this. I really don't like the term a Messianic Jew. Otherwise, if we're going to use that term, well, then we must call ourselves Messianic Australians. They're believers. Okay? I know what they're getting at, but I think it's unhelpful. They become believers, Christians. There isn't a funny category of like, you know, the Jewish people when they're saved. They become part of the church, believers. <laughs> anyway, what else did John see? Actually, what did he hear? He heard every language. They weren't just praising God in English because it says he saw people from every tribe and every tongue. That means he heard different tongues being spoken. He heard Spanish. He heard Italian. He heard Portuguese. He heard Hindi. He heard Greek. He heard languages he'd never heard before. 
because every language is being spoken. God's people will come from every nation, and he's always wanted it. Abraham is often referred to as the father of the Jews, but when God called him, he said, you're going to be the father of many nations. Remember that. Not just the Jews. So changing your nationality is not going to make any difference as to your spiritual walk with God. And I can tell you that from experience. I've changed my nationality. I'm now Australian. I was born a South African. And it's made no difference to my walk with God. It's just God has called us here, so it makes sense to change my nationality to be here. Otherwise, I'd constantly be having to renew a passport and a funny visa, going to the embassy, and it's just a, it's a hassle. It makes sense to do it, but it's made no difference to my spirituality, no difference to my character. Changing our nationality is not going to make any difference with our walk with God. So don't get sucked into the mysticism of observing certain festivals and thinking that's going to give you some deeper understanding of God. It isn't. You've got it here and in here. The Word and the Spirit. It's all you need. <laughs> in fact, uh, probably a year or two ago, I was chatting to a group of Christians, and they were saying to me, are they, are they allowed to eat pork? So I said, are you Jewish? And I knew they weren't Jewish because I knew what their nationality was. And they said, no. So I said, you can eat pork. Simple. <laughs> but they were getting sucked into this thing of, hey, what we do externally is going to affect my spirituality. What about our language? Some Christians think that by speaking differently, they become more spiritual. <laughs> I knew a guy many years ago. Every time he'd bring a prophetic word, he'd speak in an American accent. And he was Indian. He'd say, hey, bro, I've got a word from God, man. And then he'd get up and talk in an American accent. I'm thinking, who is this guy? Why are you changing your voice when you bring a word? <laughs> it's not needed. What we wear doesn't make a difference to our spirituality. Someone in a suit is not more spiritual than someone in shorts and t-shirt. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> but I do have to say this. Not all fashion is appropriate in the church. Okay? If what you're wearing is causing people to stumble... It's not right. It's sin. <laughs> but if you want to wear a suit, wear a suit. If you want to wear a t-shirt in the middle of winter, then wear a t-shirt in the middle of winter. But if you want to wear your jeans around your knees so that your boxer shorts are showing, then go home and get changed and then come to church. <laughs> Clothes don't make you more spiritual or less spiritual. Language doesn't make you more spiritual or less spiritual. And nationality doesn't make you more spiritual or less spiritual. The Bible says, stay as you are. Keep it simple. <laughs> we, we love complicating things. 
And all we do is we end up in bondage. We really do. Second thing, so that's nationality. Second thing is our social status doesn't have to change. There are many people who use the Christian faith as a means of improving their social status. Paul says in verse 20 of chapter 7, he says, Each of you should remain as you were when God called you. Are you a slave? Don't let that worry you. Just serve God in the position that you're in. What's interesting is that uh, people that have studied ancient Corinth reckon about a third of the population were slaves. One third of Corinth were, in, were slaves. This is why he's writing. This is a big issue. There are a lot of people in the church that are saying, hey, I'm free in Christ. Maybe I'm supposed to be free externally as well. You may find that your social status improves after becoming a Christian. And if you're presented with that opportunity, then take it. Paul says if you get the opportunity to be free, if you're a slave, then take it. By all means, don't live in bondage that you don't need to be in, but don't strive for it when God maybe is wanting to use you in the place that you're in. Don't make it your ambition or your obsession. Because the Bible says you can gain the whole world and yet lose your soul. You can try and grab everything around you and grab for this, grab for that, grab for the next thing and you end up losing your soul. You get the world, but you lose what's really important. Remember, God works from the inside out. Our spiritual condition is vastly more important and our social standing. Maybe, maybe you feel like a slave in your work. Maybe you are in a job that's like terrible. And you're thinking, man, I really feel like I'm enslaved here. What do you do? Don't think that because you're a Christian, your job needs to change. God can use you in the job that you're in. If you do get an opportunity to change it, then by all means take it. But don't make it your life's ambition. Don't make that your focus. Don't make that your goal. Make serving Jesus your goal. He needs to use people in various circumstances. Imagine if everyone in prison that became a believer left prison. How would the rest of the prisoners ever hear about God? But sometimes God saves someone in that situation and uses them right then and there for many years to impact the people around them. <laughs> Realize that your freedom in Christ is something of far greater value. Christ has re released us from condemnation. He's released us from death. He's released us from guilt. These things are far more important than changing our job or our social status. We've died to sin and we are alive to God. That's real freedom. And then Paul goes on to teach something a little bit extra about freedom. He says, remember that you are actually now a slave to Christ. You're not free to do whatever you want. He says, you're a slave of Christ. God has paid a high price for you, so don't be enslaved by the world. That's verse 23. We've been 
We've been freed from the domination of an evil kingdom, but we've been freed and brought into another kingdom so we can serve another king. We're not just freed from serving an evil king. Now run around and do what you want. The freedom is to come under the lordship of another king, Jesus. <laughs> we make this mistake as Christians. We think we're no longer a slave. You actually are. <laughs> but you're not a slave to a bad guy. You're a slave to a great guy, an awesome king. And he's worth being a servant to or a slave to. Colossians 1.13 says this, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Other versions say he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. That's being like suppressed under the rulership of an evil kingdom. The way we stay free from being enslaved again by that kingdom is to submit to our glorious godly king, Jesus, and to serve him. Remain under his lordship. God never made us to do what we want. He, he didn't design us as human beings to live independently of him. He designed us to live independence of him, always. That's why Jesus taught, we are the branch and he's the vine. There's no roots on a branch. None. A branch can never be independent from a tree. You're either plugged into a bad root system, a bad tree, receiving bad things and corruption and all that kind of thing, or you're plugged into a, the pure root system, the vine of Jesus. But there's no in-between. There's no, hey, I've been freed from that. Now I'm just waving in the breeze, doing my own thing. <laughs> That's... That's just not possible because we don't have roots. We can't say, well, now that I've, I've, I've kind of been free from that, I've plugged into Jesus for a year, I've received all this amazing stuff, I've like loaded up my wagon, and now I'm going to leave Jesus because why do I need him? I've got all this stuff. <laughs> we think like that sometimes. We think, hey, I come to church, I receive this stuff, I'll see you in a month. I've got enough for a month. We don't. We need daily bread from God. <laughs> Remember, the manna went off the very next day. You can walk out of here with a month's load from God and it'll be off tomorrow. It's daily bread that he gives. Why? He wants us to remain dependent on him. He wants us to remain in the vine connected to him every day for the rest of our lives. And then we receive the life from God that we need. <laughs> Gee, how did I get onto this? One social status doesn't change. So our nationality doesn't have to change and our social status doesn't have to change. Don't feel the pressure of having to change a whole lot of stuff around you, thinking that that's going to result in a huge change in you spiritually. God changes us from the inside. It's your walk with God. It's your connection, the unity that you have with the Holy Spirit. It's as He leads you, as He speaks to you, that's what brings change in your life. You can change everything else around you, 
thinking, oh, well, if I do this, if I move town, if I do that, this, that, or the next thing, I'm going to grow in God. You're not going to grow in God. It's not going to make any difference. Pressing on the Lord. Let me wrap it up. In conclusion, how should we live? How should we live? We should be led by the Spirit of God. It's not about rules. It's not about do this, don't do this. Be led by the Spirit of God. Romans 8 verse 14 says this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God or are the true sons of God. If you're being led by the Spirit of God, you're the true child of God. But if you're trying to do this in any other way, following a set of rules, doing a whole lot of stuff, oh, a Christian can't do this, a Christian needs to, you know, look like they've got it all together, buy a bigger car, bigger house, whatever, change your job, you've got to be seen as being upwardly mobile. It's all nonsense. Be led by the Spirit. He might tell you to change your job and get a demotion. Who says in the Bible it's always going to be a promotion? It's about ministering the kingdom. It's about advancing the kingdom. And God might say, I want you to change, be led by the Spirit, but actually you're going to get less money. Actually, it's going to be a demotion for you. It's not going to be good for your CV. It's going to be good for the kingdom. There's nowhere in the Bible that says it's always one step up, one step up, one step up. That's worldly thinking. This year, the targets have to be bigger. Even though last year we struggled, we have to put them up every year. That's how the world thinks. God doesn't think like that. And if we're led by the Spirit, it's obedience to what He's saying that's important. (laughs) We shouldn't seek to change our social status or our married status or our nationality. Christianity is not about the external. It's not about what you eat or drink or wear. It's about being under the Lordship of Christ, living to serve Him as your new master in whatever situation you find yourself in. Are you an Australian? Serve the Lord. Are you married? Serve the Lord. Are you single? Serve the Lord. Are you wealthy? Serve the Lord. Are you poor? Serve the Lord. You make wealth your goal, you're going to miss the target. You're going to miss what's important in your life. It's not about our external circumstances. It's about what God is doing on the inside. He is forming our character. And it actually says in the Bible that your character, your sorry, your faith is more important than gold. It's more valuable than gold. So you're hearing God and trusting Him and stepping out in obedience is more important than wealth. (laughs) Don't make the same mistake I made. Speak to your leaders. Get honest advice from people who love you and who might tell you something you don't want to hear. (laughs) But you can trust them. Not someone who's just going to pat you on the back and say, hey, yeah, go for it. Sounds good to me. So, 
someone who's going to discern, are you actually hearing God? Are you being obedient to God or aren't you? Ask that person. Be led by the Spirit of God. God works from the inside out. Let me pray. Let's stand. We're going to pray.